With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro and live on Discord. Podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Denny and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 2 Rangers nil in the Champions League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Jim Boardman. We get to talk about a win, Dave. Uh, and a routine kind of a win, a win that has a lot to recommend it um, in many ways, uh, a performance that had certain things to recommend it as well. So we'd have to be, I suppose, comparatively upbeat with all of that. Well, we won. That's the the main thing here. Uh, we won and Napoli won. So we now have six points if we beat Rangers next week and you'd assume Napoli will again beat Ajax given they'll be at home next week we'll have a six-point advantage on Ajax going into the last two games, meaning we'll only need one point from our two games to be absolutely certain of getting through, and that's all that really matters. Um, performance was was better for, for certain. Uh, it was nice to see Jürgen change the shape and go to 4-2-3-1. Uh, it was notable that as soon as we went back to 4-2-3-1, or sorry, to 4-3-3, after the introduction of Elliot and Milner, we immediately came became very easy to play against, which you know has been the case all season. But look, I was more surprised by the way Rangers set up and how passive they were. Jordan Henderson and Thiago won't play a game this season where they get that much time on the ball. That was remarkable to just come to Anfield and allow us to have the ball so easily with no pressure. Um, but I suppose... They, the way they look at it is they didn't concede an open play goal. So they'll be happy enough. We deserve to win by more. I think we had a couple of good chances. I thought there was some good individual performances. I think there was a couple of things about the team selection that held us back a little bit. And one in particular, the lack of a technical player in that number 10 position, just to kind of knit it all together a bit more, uh, whether that was Bobby or Carvalho, I think they would have done a better job in there than Jota, and I think Jota would have been more comfortable either wide on the left or up front. But all things considered, a win is a win, and, and we'll move on. Yeah, some interesting things for sure in what you say, and that we'll 
without doubt come to as we go through the details of the match one thing that i was struck by and i just get a, a quick reaction um from you on this uh is still just we'll give him every moment to try and get set up the way he wants to there uh at two points during the game i i i, I noted them down one was 35 minutes or so uh where it said that we had 66 percent of the ball um oh. on that on on in that opening uh 35 minutes and I'm thinking, right, who, whoever's gathering the stats there uh, is surely tripping balls on DMT and chatting to machine elves or something. Because how in the name of God is he coming up with that uh, stat? Because we did absolutely own the football. And I could not understand for the life of me where we were getting a situation where Rangers had 44% of the ball in that first 35 minutes. They did it again. I think there was a, a 10-minute spell in the second half where, God, it was almost 50-50 possession-wise. And again, yeah. it didn't look like that, Dave. And I suppose what I'm getting around to, getting around to here in a sort of a roundabout way is uh, the routine aspect of that win. Yes, you're right. Absolutely, they allowed us to play the game that we want to play, and they are not a tremendously good side in any way, shape, no. or form. However, it is good just for the 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 pattern, the 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 habit of ball retention and doing the sensible things and, and playing the percentage passes and uh the link play and all that type of thing. All those things. Like we we can't underestimate how much of a slump psychologically this team are in from manager right the way down. So everything that's good that's done on a repeated basis, maybe this is exactly the game and the team we needed to play who would allow us and even the most uh fragile and confidence of us to do the simple things right. Uh, that's a that's a a real bonus i think dave yeah, i mean it is it's it'll certainly help for confidence and i think getting however many minutes it was in that new shape will certainly help because surely jürgen has to have looked at it and thought this looks better than the crap we've been serving up so far um the clean sheet is is a big bonus as well now we almost screwed that up at the end as well once we went to 433 uh, we almost managed to throw away the clean sheet. In regards to yeah. the possession, um, I'll stand corrected on this, but I think, I think there's two ways to collect press, uh, possession stats. Some groups do it based on time of possession, so how long you actually have the ball for. But I think the more standardized process is they just collate the number of passes. So we had, over the course of the game, 574 passes, and they had 332. So I think that's basically, you know, we had two-thirds of the ball and they had one-third of the ball. I, th I think that's basically how they work it out. But I will allow Dan Kennett or somebody who is more in tune with these things to correct me on that, if need be. Um, Look, we need to be honest about this. The only reason they weren't looked like looked at as fodder was because of the name of the club rangers fc like quality wise that's a collection of players who would be mid table in the championship there's two or three who could play in the premier league and the rest are championship players and week to week they play largely against teams 
that would play in League One and not dominate League One, like be mid-table, maybe in the playoffs in in League One. They would be mid-table in the Championship. Celtic would be probably playoffs in the Championship. That's just the level of Scottish football. But we, we're in, we're kind of tuned in to think of Scottish football from 20, 30 years ago when it was a more competitive league and there was a lot more money bouncing around and the difference in spend between the Premier League and the, the, the top two in Scotland wasn't enormous. I mean, we can remember the 90s where, well, some of us can, where Rangers would routinely outspend most of the Premier League, bringing in big-name stars like Gaza and Brian Laudrup and George Alberts and Giovan Bronkhorst, who played tonight, and Duncan Ferguson, when he went to Rangers, that was a British record transfer fee. It was more than anyone in England had ever play, paid for a player. So the the idea of Rangers and how strong they are and what a threat they were was certainly is certainly overblown compared to what they actually are on the pitch. I mean, on the pitch, they're one of the weaker teams in the Champions League group stage. So it should have been a straightforward game for us tonight. And and in, in the end, it was largely. Um, but you just would have, you would have liked to have seen us be more ruthless. You would have liked to have seen us create a few more clear-cut opportunities. And you'd have liked to have seen us score a few more goals and really ram home some dominance. And I think that, that would have built more confidence. Like, Coming out of that game, having only scored set pieces, that does concern me a little bit. Now, like I said, there were some good individual performances, and I thought Diaz played well. I thought Darwin played well. I thought Mo played pretty well. Not as good as he can be, but pretty well. But I would have loved to have seen them get a couple of goals, because especially Darwin, I really just think all he's lacking is a goal. If he gets a goal... I could see him going on a run where he gets eight goals in 10 games or, or nine goals in, in, in 10 games and really starting to, you know, put his imprint on the league. That's what I was looking for from tonight because if we'd lost that tonight, it would have been an absolute disaster and we'd be having a very different conversation about a certain German manager if we'd lost to that lot tonight. But look, we won... And it's always good, especially for us paddies. I can't abide that football club. So it's always nice to beat them. Listen, Jim, when you got a situation where your uh, city's being invaded by uh, a, a, a crowd of uh, fellas <laughs> declaring that they're fighting for the Queen. Uh, <laughs> and, Did they not uh, change the words? <laughs> I thought oh, like, when he was the funeral, I'm sure I heard people saying, God save the Queen, because he only remembered halfway through the word. You know, but... <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I agree with Dave on that. And it's just, I don't want to, I don't want to come across, and I know Dave isn't in, in any way, I don't want to come across in, in any way uh, uh, bigoted in my own fashion. Uh, and I know Dave's a Celtic fan. I, I, I am not a Celtic fan or a Rangers fan or anything like that. But it's just always been very hard for me to warm to that lot. And, you know, there's a couple of things here I want to, I want to tease out from what uh, I've just been chatting to Dave with, with you just at the start here, because the open play thing I've seen somebody in that say about about that how you know is that should that be a concern dave's mentioned it there as well nigel actually is saying should we worry about no open play goals from a lot of chances um and i'll be honest 
you get the point. I absolutely do get the point. But if you look at those match stats, for what they're worth, Jim, we have 23 shots uh, to their six shots on target. And I'm sure um, it felt to me like Darwin Nunes has had about 27 shots on target. And it felt all the time as if he was um, taking the percentages option, making sure he, he got his technique right and kept his head down and all those kind of things and kept the shot on target. And the irony is that if any of those shots had been actually from a confident striker who was placing it in the corners or from an inept striker who was striking it uh, inadequately and it actually went to the corner by accident, then he'd have a goal or two to his name um, instead, they were comparatively, uh, like I say, by the number shots that the keeper did well to to, to save quite a few of them. Um, and it felt to me as well that there were a couple of efforts off target that weren't too far off target. They don't count the shots on target, um, um, shots that were just north of the top corner, that type of thing. And you see, with the set piece goals as well, we have to allow that a goal is a goal is a goal and it affects how the game pans out after that um i thought there was a lot of bad fortune in terms of uh, the opportunities and chances luis diaz you'd like it would really probably almost deserve the goal in the night i think darwin nunez certainly did he he really kept showing and put him, putting himself on the sharp end of mm-hmm. of of opportunities I suppose maybe a little more so than what what Dave was. I'm trying to to find that as a positive thing. Where where, where are you on that? Where are you coming down on on the the comparative uh, inability to convert those uh, uh, opportunities versus the fact that at least we are making them? Yeah, I mean, I I I totally get what Dave says, and I think I sort of thought that before the game that you know here's a game having such a, a pathetically inept start to the season when even, you know, that kind of season where draws feel like you've lost and lo- losses feel like the end of the world and just not looking like we could snap out of it, that, you know, an, a nice 9 nil win tonight would have really got our confidence back. But then I thought we did that a few weeks ago and it didn't get our confidence back. You know, it just kind of, it was almost like a a lucky moment where we, you know, we won nine nil and we thought, right, we're sorted now. We're going to get yeah. going. And, you know, yeah. we wouldn't be having this conversation now if that had actually been the case, if that had got us going. So in, in some ways, I'm kind of glad we didn't do that well. Um, I'm glad we got the three points and I'm glad we got the clean sheet because that to me is one of our biggest problems at the moment is, you know, we, we've got to stop conceding first. We've got to stop conceding at all. We've got to stop being in a situation where we're chasing a game. It's just... You know, there's only so many times a year in a season, I'm sure, even the best teams can, can do that and keep winning. It, the, you know, there's going to be times when you don't win games because you, you're letting things in at the back. And maybe a 2-0 was was OK. I mean, I, I'm i happy with it. We won two points, two set pieces. And then, in all honesty, I think he's one of those goalkeepers that a few years ago, perhaps in the Rogers era, maybe even in Kenny's last era, we'd be saying... You know, it would have been a nil-nil and we'd have been saying the goalkeeper was the man of the match because of how many times he'd saved the ball. And, you know, they weren't all sort of lucky saves from weak shots. There were some really decent shots that he got his hands to. So he's a decent keeper. You know, he he definitely is. He definitely had a worldie himself today. And that that's what kind of kept us in check as much as anything. But also, I think, you know, if you're a a coach, I can imagine 
um, you know, Liverpool's analysts are now rubbing their hands together because there's so much to analyse that's actually got positives that could come out of it. You know, you, I'm sure I'm sure Nunes will be watching clips back and just looking at, you know, slight changes he could have done to what he did and, and boost his confidence and take, take some confidence from the fact that he got so many shots on target. I mean, Diaz, I, I agree, he deserved a goal. I agree, Diaz did as well. He's always working so hard. He's always, you know, he's always showing up and putting everything into it. There was... You know, I mean, we can we can be over, overly critical, and I'm sure to some extent that'll be going on behind the scenes. There'll, there'll be some criticism, there'll be some some work, but just everybody did all right tonight. Everybody did enough, really, more or less. You know, I mean, we, we we can be critical, but I think everyone can sort of maybe say they improved some more than others. It was good to see Trent at the end as well, talking in an interview, looking happy, and you know, we sort of being asked how we think of so the criticism, and he says, "Well, I just try and think positively." and um, he talked about he just tried to get the shot on target and you know what that's what we did all night we kept trying to get the shots on target um, any other night it probably would have been 9-0 but you know plenty to build on strong position in the group play them again in a week at their place where no doubt they'll have yeah let's not even go down that, that route but what, what wound me up just quickly it's not even being sort of bigoted in a sort of sectarian way but my god if you're singing that song you sound like England and who would want to sound like that lot Remarkable. And unless I'm mistaken, unless I'm mistaken, I thought I heard an up the Tories from their end at one yeah. stage as well. Yeah, you did indeed. Which is weird. They're that, that type I mean, of people, aren't they? You know, cut you your nose off that, You heard face rural and Britannia. Yeah. You heard God Save the Queen Who Died. Um, it, it's a magnificent thing. And not once, not once did you hear the, their actual national anthem or anything resembling an acknowledgement that they are, in fact, Scottish and not misplaced. I won't say what I was going to say, because, you know. Um, yeah, they're, they're a bizarre bunch of people. If the fact that the Irish pubs in the city had to be told to take down their tricolours, I mean, maybe the police should just do their job and go out and police the streets and not not leave it so that they could run amok. Um, I, I listened to BT for about, three minutes before I had to turn McManaman off. And they were talking about how there was 3,000 Rangers fans in the stadium and 10,000 in the city. Well, the 3,000 only made noise for a couple of minutes. They were largely quiet other than to sing utter nonsense. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just can't wrap my head around wanting to support a club like that or having that kind of mindset where you're singing the national anthem of another country. It's such a strange thing to me. You're being driven by ancient hatred, I think, as well. That's, yeah, that's, that's it. Without that's going overly it. political, it's ancient hatred from things that happened a long, long time ago, and you're going around living living in the, you know, yeah. glorifying that and loving that, and, you know, really he, sounding he like a dickhead. In the chat will know about this. Like, and Trev, obviously, any, any of the Irish lads will know. Like, July 12th on this island is the day that they have to celebrate their, mm -hmm. what they call culture. And but we see it, it here, the, to be honest. If you go in, in Liverpool and, and around, it's just you, you a day of hatred, day. They, they just appear from somewhere. Like, they build these big bonfires, they put tricolours on them, they put effigies of certain notable Republicans, they put signs. They put funny outfits on as well, don't they? Yeah, they put on their costumes and they go walking around baiting drums. Like, I mean, just grow the fuck up. That's not culture, that's just stupidity they like a sash they like a sash. 
do love a sash and a bowler hat. But I'll tell you what, what's the most notable thing about it? <laughs> the bowler if, hat. If being perfect, yeah, what's been the most notable thing about it is that um, Dublin is flooded with people trying to get away from that shit from the north. They run away from it because it's so, uh, let's just say, fractious. So, I mean, fair play. And these this this particular team and club are the embodiment of all of that in many, many ways. Look, there were eras of Rangers in the past. Uh, late 80s Rangers, Graeme Souness era, where yeah. I was interested because... And Walter was, Smith's it, team was very good. Yeah, like, it, it was it was Graeme Souness and it was it was Mark Haightley and I was interested. I yeah. was interested in them and I, I, I was a lot more politically naive back then as well and I didn't really care about any of that stuff. So I was just interested in the football. Then there was the Ali McCoy era, like you say, Walter Smith, uh, where they were signing everybody and it was... Uh, they had that like little bit of a, a, a an era as well and it was just interesting not to be confused with the ali mccoy's commentary era which is best forgotten really well a lot of people seem to like ali it's weird jim mm. yeah guy I loves like... him guy loves him yeah a I lot think of he's people great. <laughs> <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's awful personally we're getting there uh, we're getting told off by guy we should background. say though like we should hey. say credit to rangers i mean this is a small pokey little club that only came into existence in 2012. They've got no history. They've won one league title in the club's history. Um, you know, they're a newly formed club and, and fair play yes. to be in the Champions League by now. That's Although, true, actually. Joking, <laughs> sort of ruining what you, sort of going against what you've just said, I will give them one bit of credit tonight and I think it's worth pointing out that the two clubs have got something in common and that's a sad thing to have in common, a very, you know, unhappy thing to have in common and that's yeah. disasters. And I think the the minute silence tonight, you know, because there's been yet another disaster somehow in a football game, and yeah. people have died again. But I think that that was that was. I mean, I, I gave them credit for that, you know. And to our own fans over there, you know, that was properly respectful. And you know, and it, you know, and it's based on knowing what it feels like to be a fan of a club that's had that happen to them. Agreed. I mean, the the Dave the Dave obviously had two in their history, two major disasters in 1902 and. I want to say 1971 1971 yeah yeah so like that that's their history is is marked by those in the way that ours is marked by by Heisel and Hillsborough and it, it it is it was good to see all the fans just get together for that one moment because when we say it all the time when anything like this pops up nobody should go to a game of football and not come home and when you see an event like what took place uh, at the week, was it the weekend? And like it, just th- that sheer loss of life, it's just, it's so hard to take. Knowing what our club and the fans of our club have gone through for the last 33 years and the the backlash after Paris and how it could have, led to something like that. I mean, you would think that all of football, no matter where it's been played, that all of football would be taking a long, hard look at the stadiums, the the way fans are, are, are treated, the security at these games and the policing at these games. And, and yet we're still here again talking about a horrendous loss of life where all people did was go to a football match. They went to a game of football 
Like, imagine going to the cinema and dying. It's the same mm. fucking thing. Imagine going to the opera and dying. Yeah. You know, you're going to entertainment and you're not coming home and there's people at home waiting for you and you don't turn up. And that's the one thing I always think of when I see anything like this where, you know, people have said goodbye. And anytime you watch anything about Hillsbury, you hear, you know, mothers say they said goodbye to their husband and their son or their husband and their daughter and off they went to the game. And they sat home waiting for them to come home, and they, they never did, and, and their lives were altered forever. And yeah, we it's have mad, isn't it? I mean, you see people go, people go to the airport and waving family off, and it's always, you know, like, make sure we say goodbye before you go away because, you know, something might happen on the plane, and people kind of do that. But football, you know, you're just going to match. We'll see you later. What time are you going to what time will you be in for your tea? And it's just mad. And there has been that horrible, you know, horribly tragic extra wrinkle in the whole thing as well recently where we've other people who've you know ended up taking their lives because of trauma um which which is directly linked back to uh hillsborough and i you you know i i it's like I know this is dark stuff, but it's important. We can't, I don't think it's okay to just sort of blow past stuff like this and just like pretend it doesn't exist because these are real things. And there's, there's, there's a a fella known to all of us who's, who's, who's having a chat there on a regular basis about how we should probably just even bin this competition off because of how appallingly UEFA behaved Mm. towards our supporters and our club and the people of Liverpool. And, I tell you what, it's a bloody good argument in many ways. And I do get it. And and at the same time, I'm one of those people who, uh, the rare people, by the way, who didn't um, kowtow to the whatever sort of pseudo-political bullshit Carraher and Neville came out with at the time. I'm one of those people who was actually like, well, okay, we're going to do the Super League. Let's do it right. Yeah. I'm all up for it. Same. Um, and I know yeah. you are. Yeah. I'm completely on board for it if it's done right. That's like it. The, it's not like yeah, this yeah. is a bad idea because you've done away with UEFA. It's this no. is a bad idea because you've done away with relegation. It's the like the only reason it's, you know. the only reason Carragher and Neville thought it was a bad idea because it was doing away with their jobs. Because Sky aren't going to invest the same amount of money into a Premier League that doesn't have the big six. And if Sky was taken by surprise that it was going to happen, then clearly yeah. they weren't. If Sky had to been part of it. if Sky had been part of the planning process. And that's one of the mistakes the Super League made, was not getting all the broadcasters involved. If Sky yeah. had been part of it, Carragher and Neville would have come out in favour of it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they were in Super League headbands. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. They, they would have been out in their Super League t-shirts. Let's, let's uh, remember how the Premier League was formed. Let's remember how the Premier League was formed. You mean when um, Alan Sugar, who was... He was the, wasn't he the Tottenham chairman at the time, yeah. and also owned Amstrad, who made the boxes. Got onto Murdoch at Sky because he'd heard what had been bid by ITV allegedly, and told them to blow that out of the water, which they did. And of course, Alan Sugar's Amstrad set-top boxes sold like hotcakes. Mm. But you know, Alan the Sugar, there's there there's a show in itself. <laughs> uh, let's get let's get back on track because we've we, we've strayed but enjoyably so from the topic and can i just say by the way um the single greatest comment that i've ever seen in discord uh, in relation to anything 
uh, comes from NFIU. <laughs> when referring to Rangers, you'll have to look this up if you don't get it. Says they hate transubstantiation. Absolutely fucking <laughs> tremendous. A little Catholic joke there for the lads at the that back of the room. Um, that, is that, is a, that is a fucking <laughs> tremendous comment, my friend. Fair play to you. Uh, right, let's get into it. Jim, Liverpool's 11, um, and, and, and there's a quote there um, from the same man. Uh, attributed to Klopp talking about how the change of tactics worked. Well, the change of tactics tonight saw us go with Alisson, uh, Trent, Matip, Van Dijk and Simicus with Hendo and Thiago as a two. Uh, Salah, Jota, Diaz and Nunes ahead of them and we appeared to be uh, looking um, and going in a 4-2-3-1 to all intents and purposes. I know when I saw that, I went, well, that's super, except 4-2-3-1 surely is reliant on having Fab at the base of that as our single most effective midfielder over the last X amount of years and the specialist and on his day, you know, possibly the best in the world job. Uh, Granted, this form hasn't been super this year. I will grant that to anyone who wants to make that point. Um, so for me, Jim, I was excited to see the change and a little bit worried. And I'll have to say, and I want to get this out of the way nice and early, um, quality of the opposition aside, um, ability of the opposition to uh, recognise tactically what they should have done aside uh, and to execute that aside, I think that worked reasonably well. And I think the two lads in that two worked well. And I thought most, it was probably the most positive um, game I've seen from the captain in a long time. Um, and, you know, we can qualify it as much as we want and say this, that and the other about how, and talk about the opposition. And it's all valid. Christ, it's all valid. But, you know, you play what's ahead of you. You play what's in front of you. And it worked out reasonably well, I thought. I'm enthused by this change of shape. And like Dave said earlier on, when we went back, to the tried and trusted we look porous again and i hope the fuck our manager sees that and um we really lean into getting more of these we really should have coughed it up but if it wasn't for our world-class goalkeeper uh to me the greatest that i've ever seen between stakes jim and a similar vintage he's the best i've ever seen by quite a distance Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for him, we would have coughed it up. So, talk to me a little bit about the lineup, the tactic change, the tactical change. Whether you thought it worked on the whole, uh, and then um, about the personnel best to do it against Arsenal at the weekend. If we're going to continue this trend, and seeing as Klopp's talking about it, I assume we are. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to try different things. You can't do the same thing week in, week out, because there's some people out there who've got nothing better to do with their lives than studios in great detail. I mean, and some of them are actually paid to do it. I mean, opposition people I'm talking about that that, that suss our weaknesses and fine chinks in our armour. And I think, I don't know, there's something about, there's something about sort of, mentally, you know, we've been mentality monsters and all the rest of it, but we can be fragile as well. And the more maybe that feel of going into the other formation is sort of making us go, oh, oh shit, I'm riding my bike without my stabilisers on here. Am I gonna, am I gonna be all right? And of course, we're gonna be all right if we have our confidence back and if we're if we're able to just keep an eye on what's going on. I think 
I think it's important to tweet things and try things. And I think we've got the personnel to do that. This 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 tactic, this formation, we've got enough ones, if you like, for the four, two, three, one. We've got we've got enough of the three. We've got, you know, once everyone's fit, we can we can switch things around quite a bit. And I think one other thing that's telling is um as Klopp's defending Trent Alexander Arnold, as he has to do from time to time because Gareth Southgate still has 1980s coaching manuals that he were actually from the 50s, but just reprinted, I think. He he has to keep defending Trent and explain what his greater role is. But in a way, by doing that, he's kind of also explaining that, well, actually, if Trent's so busy being an attacking player, maybe, you know, maybe someone should be minding the shop. And I don't think that's been happening as well as it has. And maybe that has maybe been partly down to Fab not being up to his usual self. So, you know, just just switching it around a little bit just just moving things around just just giving players different responsibilities and um you know just just trusting these lads that here's a job get it done i think i think it works and i think you know it's i mean someone said to me today what's wrong with liverpool at the moment and it, it was so difficult to put your finger on what it is you can say who's been doing things wrong but can you say why they've been doing things wrong? Because it's just our character. And I think that there's so many levels to this and what he needed to do. And I think having a switch almost says, right, forget that. This is what we do. And let's just do this for a bit. Let's just try and do this for a bit. Let's get our confidence back. And let's maybe say that, in, you know, in a few games time, we'll switch back to the old way for the last 20 minutes and it'll actually go and get us three goals. But for now, let's, you know, let's win games. We've got... Two totally different kettles of fish with with what we're playing tonight and what we're playing at the weekend, but you know the, these are the games. Like they, I mean, I think Dave sort of alluded to them being a sort of mid-table championship side. This is FA Cup third round football that we were playing. Um, you know that that's and that can be enough for us to lose games because you you kind of underestimate the opposition. We showed them enough respect. Maybe they showed us too much respect, but. You're right. I think they had very few chances towards until towards the end when we changed and they suddenly realised they could go forward as well. Um, I actually, just, just quickly, I, I wrote down on about 15 minutes that I've got a feeling, because they were 1-0 down and they were still sitting back and passing sideways and being very cautious. Yeah. And I thought, watch them try and do us in the last 10 minutes. And it was actually the last five. But I had a feeling they might try and do that. Not so much that they want to win, they want to limit the damage and maybe... You know, maybe get something out of it, but I don't know what their ambitions are. In yeah, this they were group. saving their legs for when Milner came on because they usually yes. get a chance at that point. But even Milner, I mean, that, and that's the interesting. Even Milner did well when he came on. Um, that wheel, that good, wild tackle, tackle at the end, but yeah, yeah you know, uh, oh, the, the Jimmy Milner um, <laughs> upending uh, of 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 their attacker um, on the edge of the box towards the yeah. end of the game is absolutely my highlight of the night, primarily. I, Primarily because it's a fucking bananas situation to be in, and yeah. only Jimmy Miller would do that. Uh, you know, and he's fifty-fifty uh, whether he gets it right, isn't he? Jim, hundred percent, a hundred percent, it's fifty-fifty. That could easily have been a penalty uh, and two red cards. That's that's how that's how, <laughs> how close he, he he runs that line, um, Dave. In terms of Rangers, because. You know, Jim's asking about what their ambitions are in this group. Their ambitions yeah. in this group, I, I mean, and and I, I'm sure, like, yeah, I, I I know what Jim was was suggesting, uh, are to be out of this group as 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 quickly as possible because they, they they they've got nothing. They they are just not. They're not in. They're not 
this competition worthy if we're being perfectly honest no. here and 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 this brings us full circle back to your like should we not probably have wrapped in a couple more goals from play i get that i really do but talk to me a little bit about them because we have to play them again in a, in, in a very quick turnaround and, and it will behoove us to know them and it will behoove us actually probably to know a little bit more about the guys who came onto the pitch in the late stages because even fletch uh, BT's uh, supremo uh, commentator there was able to note that they had an out ball all of a sudden, which they didn't have before, which could get us turned around. Uh, and, you know, I have to say at this stage, big shout out to my pal Mary, whose now subscription allowed me to watch the match tonight. Uh, the amount of nightmares I'm having, lads. Oh unbelievable thanks to mary anyway um even if i did have to listen to steve make mac mac mana 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 man all night uh going yeah 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 uh talk to me dave about rangers because we're gonna have like i say we're gonna have to play them again and uh, uh, here's what here's what the way i want you to drive it because when they brought on cholak when they brought on jack when they brought on matondo kamara and the kid with the Sakala. best name in the world, fashion, Sakala. Yeah. Fucking hell. I'm sorry, but that's better than Marvelous Nakamba. Yeah. Fashion Nakara. This is these these two lads are, are absolutely world class in the name bracket. But when they brought those guys on, they had they had something about them that they didn't have up to that point. And I don't know if it's because the lads who were on the field before that had that more championship feel of being journey men who could you know not embarrass themselves um and then these guys who came on had that kind of well i'm playing i'm trying to get to the next level here um this is a stepping stone club for me kind of thing i could have that all wrong what's your take on this yeah i mean like they're a four two three one team that's their base formation that's what they played against ix but they got absolutely wiped off the pitch against Ajax. So when they went and played Napoli, they went with the back three at home against Napoli. But they played a back three and proper wing backs and two up top. And they went and had a go against Napoli. And to their credit, and look, a big part of it for them is Ibrox. Like, I'll, I'll mock that club all day long and I'll say whatever it is I want to just wind up their fans. But the one thing I'll always give them credit for is Ibrox is an incredible home stadium. And it is right up there with Anfield for big European night atmospheres. And the, it's probably even ahead of Anfield because it doesn't matter what round of the competition it is. Like, the crowd at Anfield are not getting excited for a Champions League group stage match because they've seen bigger and better things. The crowd at Ibrox would get right up for a qualification playoff into the Europa Conference League because that's what they do. So they did give Napoli a bit of a game, but they played an attacking brand of football. Like Their back three that night was Lundstrom, who's a midfielder, Goldston, who played tonight, and Sands, the young American, and Sands playing for Rangers will never not be funny, who's also primarily a midfielder. (laughs) And they pushed the fullbacks right on as wingbacks. They played 
Morales and Kent up against the centre-backs. They tried to use their pace to spin in behind. So I thought they'd go 4-2-3-1 tonight because they lost that game 3-0 in the end. So I thought they'd go back to 4-2-3-1 or at the very least go with something similar. But what they went with tonight was just, we're parking the bus and the bus is not moving. Like, that is a flat back five. A flat back There is no difference in the positional line that the centre-backs and full-backs are playing. They're all tucked the, the, in. The way they lined up or the way they passed. It was both. Flat, yeah. both. <laughs> um, then you've got Lundstrom and Stephen Davis sitting in front of them who aren't... Stephen Davis can't run anymore. I mean, he is he's there, James Milner. You know, there's likely a door somewhere named after him. But like Milner, he just can't run anymore and he's a bit of a liability. So I was surprised by how they lined up. I, I didn't think they'd played the back five. I was very surprised that young Leon King played. Now, he's hugely highly rated. And Gerard has been trying to get him to Aston Villa since the day he left uh, left Rangers and just hasn't had any luck yet. But he's he's a very big talent for them. And I thought he was good tonight, bar obviously the penalty. Uh was very surprised that Davis played. And... I was surprised that going with that shape, they played Morelos up front because he's not the type of striker that enjoys playing back to goal up against big physical centre-backs. He's not the type who's particularly good at bringing the ball in and holding it up and then waiting for runners to come to him. He likes to get it to his feet, give it and spin the corner for a ball in behind. His game is about one touch quick dynamic movements i thought so show like would have been the better option there yeah, 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 I mean, yeah six yeah. two strong rangy decent pace good first touch loves the physical battle and he's in unbelievable form this year i mean morelos has struggled a bit this year whereas cholak arrived in the summer and he has 11 goal with 11 and 14 before tonight he's been in great form so I thought he was the one that would have started because he's just that bigger, more physical, kind of line-leading target man striker who you can ping the ball up to, who'll hold off a centre-back by hook or by crook and wait for lads to join him. But we saw it with Morales today. I mean, the ball was being pinged into him in the first half on the few occasions they crossed the halfway line. And he's immediately one-touching it off the players and looking to get in behind Virgil and Joel. And so their lads are still trying to catch up with the play. Um, immediately we're picking the ball up because we've got the numbers and we're away on the, the next attack. So I thought Van Bronckhorst got it wrong. But like you said, when he made his changes, it did make a difference. Now, you, you referenced earlier uh, a much better performance from the captain. Unquestionably, a much better, by far the best performance he's put in this season. But from when they made their first changes until he went off, he did struggle a little bit. That Those last five minutes were a bit ropey for him. And Thiago was having to do a lot of covering to get back across for Henderson because he was just getting dragged out a little bit more because they were moving the ball quicker. And we didn't really seem to have an answer to that. Then, obviously, we bring on Fab, we bring on Bobby, and the game settles again. And we all of a sudden, the shape really looks like it makes sense. You've got Fab and Thiago. They make sense as a pair. You've got Bobby in the 10. That makes sense. That's a technical, creative player in there who can knit things together really well. 
and we really started to look good up until he made the changes to go back to 4-3-3 and the last few minutes were you know a bit regrettable but yeah, you mean from 79 on where he brings on Milner and Harvey Elliott yes. uh, for Darwin Thiago because that's when things went to shit for us. Things because, went to shit for us and, yeah. and they, they they got a couple of big opportunities. They did. <clears throat> Here's the funny one for you, though. I did find that. I found this amusing. Um, there were three players who played tonight or in the match day squads. They did all play who were born in the city of Liverpool. And two of them played for Rangers. They had more players from Liverpool than we did. Um, Thanks to Stephen, isn't just... it? Taking some with him. <laughs> that is big. Um, Steve. That is big. Steve doing it, doing his his work. Fair play. Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's because John. Well, yeah, he did sign John Lundstrom, but Robbie Matondo came in after him. Oh Robbie shit! Matondo, okay, right, yeah, right, yeah, John, yeah, John Lundstrom, yeah. former Everton lad, because Ryan Kent was born in Oldham. He wasn't born in Liverpool. Oh yes. Um, John Lundstrom was born in Liverpool and Rabbi Matondo was born in Liverpool. Okay, okay, right, right. Very good. Well, that's, uh, that is... That's your uh, trivia for today. I, I love that. And in the absence of young matches, that is, uh, that is the cooking force of fair. That, that's why the song is the, the Scouser in the team. It's <laughs> Yeah, exactly, Jim. We've got to keep, we got to keep faith with the lyrics. Uh, let me and you start the uh, um obviously we're going to pause briefly and then i, I want to take on another section of it with you um our pal clement who i've started calling dick turpin but nobody gets it that jim nobody's as old as i am and nobody knows who turpin is uh or, or or richard what's his name who used to play him in the show uh, Sullivan, right? Richard O'Sullivan. Uh, yeah. So uh, nobody knows that. We're we're just talking to ourselves here, pal. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> he gets the game rolling, and I I was having flashbacks because obviously this is the fucker who refereed the Champions League final, and um, I had issues with him on that night. I had issues with how everything went on that night, and we've already alluded mm. to it. And so I just had this sort of uneasy feeling as the game started. But I played him though. We... He was wearing some socks for charity, wasn't he? I think tonight. So. He was. He was. Yeah. Genuinely, there were there were two different moments where we were attacking, and he ran into the into the shot into onto my screen, and I thought it was somebody who'd ran onto the pitch because he because the blue socks were just so unusual to see with the with the all black. I genuinely yeah, like- thought it was a pitch invader. 1960s boots they look like from a distance or something sort of uh, yeah. just to just to keep you yeah, updated yeah. Trav I'm not sure you're up to date fully on your, your Dick Turpin uh, TV watching there is a planned new Dick Turpin series due to come to Apple TV next year I think holy shit look at you the yeah the main reason I know who Dick Turpin is is because I love the carry on films and yeah. Carry On Dick yeah. is an all-time classic when Sid James plays it. So, so that, I watched that oh. and had to go find out who Dick Turpin is. I think Noel Fielding is due to play him in this uh, oh. new series. It's either late this year or early next year it's due out. Wonderful casting. Fair play. That is actually inspired. Uh, and by the way, on this little vein, if you are a fan of uh, uh, Carry On genre, um, uh, a pal of mine who does a fantastic podcast called Smirsh Pod um, has just brought out a new episode. 
And the most recent one is called Carry On Abroad, and it goes and has a look at that particular movie. And uh, his two guests are two of the funniest lads that he has on. So do go and have a look at that if you're interested. Jim, our half begins with Darwin Nunes having a shot. Well, that's the pattern. It's a snapshot half volley. It is saved, which is also the freaking pattern. It goes for a corner. Also the pattern of the match mm. on four minutes Hendo lofts a ball over the top it breaks to Luis Diaz he lays in Simicast left who makes an absolute balls of the cross but within three minutes of that we are one nil up now as the uh, free kick is conceded we see the Trent stepping up I know Jim that you like me were were thinking well, this would be a lovely thing if this could happen. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking at the end of the previous game where we had an opportunity via Trent to win the game. And I don't know if enough was made of that in that game because it was just solely wide. It was really well struck free kick, I thought. And again, have the opportunity to watch the game live because of technical disasters but I've seen a replay of it a few times and I thought holy shit that probably deserved a little bit more respect than it got on the day and in terms of how we assess what a moment is and so I'm thinking right okay here it is he needs this the kid needs it the execution of the free kick is outrageous it's slightly to the left and back of the D um and he hits it right into the postage stamp. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, the execution of it is fantastic. The free kick had been conceded by poor, unfortunate Ben Davies, uh, fouling Darwin Nunes. But the goal itself, Jim, and you and I are going to keep going here because uh, there's more to talk about, and I'll finish the half with Dave then, um, was something that I felt had a sort of resonance. And, you know, you wind in and, and fold in the fact that at the end, Kloppo decides to do the managerial um, nod to the crowd and take mm. Trent off just at the end and let him have his round of applause. Because we we should address this here now. This guy, and actually, again, fair play to the BT crowd. They said something. We should probably celebrate what players can do as opposed to what they can't. Yeah, I thought that was a good line because there's not many fucking right backs stroke footballers in general who can do what Trent does. Uh, and one of the things he does that most people can't do who call themselves professional footballers. And I'm so happy for the kid that he got to have that moment because like I said, when I tweeted about it immediately, it was like class is permanent. This guy is class. We know yeah. this. And he's been having a bad run. And he's looked bang out of form. But he's a class act, Jim. And it's gorgeous to be able to celebrate a moment like that from a player like that. And it might be a season changer. Or like you said, on the back of the 9-0, it might be fucking nothing. Who knows? But it's I enjoyed the hell out of that. I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's a reminder to him and to us of exactly what he can do. I mean, there's all the stuff he does in open play that gets um, 
played down by far too many people, especially people who, who aren't supporters of this club, which is fair enough. I mean, that that's that's what people do. They like to go around slugging people off. It's just frustrating when people who are being paid to give opinions on football who maybe should be a little bit more impartial and a little bit more sort of reasonable in what they're saying keep saying these things as well, especially when they're the manager of England. Um, it's it's not it's not a pleasant way to be about people. And you're right, there is there's there's far too much in football. It's been a trend for too long where you'll you'll get I mean I, I think of Gary Neville maybe as the sort of person who's really good at this, which is, you know, there's there's a goal scored and instead of praising the striker, instead of praising the the the, the guy who passed the ball through to him, instead of praising the run or the, the thinking or the you know, the dummy run that someone else made or anything else positive that led to that goal. It's all about, oh, the keeper was a was a yard too slow or, you know, an, an inch too slow, an inch too much to the left. The defender should have got that. It's constantly, constantly criticism. And I get that, And maybe, but maybe that's more a job for the coaching team for that defence. It's not something that we should be hearing all the time is negative stuff. Football is meant to be fun and enjoyable. Let's, let's try and accentuate the positives much more than we do. And I think... If BT is saying that, maybe they're some of the worst culprits for it, but maybe, maybe, maybe they'll learn and change and, and, and we'll start doing that. And it's plays like Trent, he said tonight afterwards that he only focuses on the positives or he tries to be positive. But no matter how much he says that, it does play on your mind. And Jay and I have talked about this on Scouser Tommy's that, you know, there's too much of a microscope on our players. Too much, and and you know things. This this the shit Nunes was getting because of a a missing training and shit like that. It's just there's just way too much of it. And and you know these players, they might be well paid, they might be famous, they might be doing the job we'd all love to do, but they're still people. And you know, as a person, Trent must be going home tonight with a massive smile on his face. It was it was really well taken. And I don't know if you noticed just before he took it, as they were lining up and doing all the talking that they do when. You wonder if they're just doing that for fun because they've already decided he's going to take it and what they're going to do. But I just heard Trent shout the ref over and tell him to get the Rangers player back and the ref went and, and drew a line. It was a player sort of diagonally to the right and it's just, you know, it's that attention to detail as well. You know, he can, you can come up, imagine Trent's just sort of um, almost like a rugby union um, conversion attempt. You know, he's just really sort of picturing it, really thinking about it really sort of imagining it going into that spot on that goal and it, it's it does, also it goes a way in. for that 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 specific thing where where he said to the referee about Morales about him encroaching and the ref went through mm. a line it's also a really good way for Trent to steal ten seconds to just settle himself. Yeah. To just settle himself down because obviously in with rugby in that like everything goes quiet, nobody moves and it's the player is just allowed to focus. With football, the, the atmosphere is far more raucous, and it was just a really good way for Trent to just get those couple of extra seconds because he knows he's hit it. He knows he's taking it. As soon as that foul is mm-hmm. committed, he's taking that, no one else. But then you've got Henderson's there, he's talking. Salah's there, he's talking. Thiago's talking. And just for Trent to be able to block them all out, block the crowd out, and just think, right, Focused. It was in front of the Rangers fans as well. That's another point. Exactly, say, yeah. exactly. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really clever. And I thought it was really good for the ref. I haven't seen a ref do that before, to go and draw that secondary line on the angle. And uh, mm. you'd appreciate seeing a bit more of that, because how often do we see players cheat up three or four yards on the angle and then get across to yeah, try and make a tackle? 
there's a 10 yard reel in front and a five yard reel at the side yeah. it's just you know it's it seems to happen doesn't it fair play to dig yeah. turpin on that one and 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 jim <laughs> straight after that goal um by trent we, we just continue so on 11 minutes there's a really good carry and a pass from jota who plays in uh luis diaz uh, who uh, comes back the opposite way uh, and fires close to the target. In 15 minutes, Mo has a carry and a cut in. Uh, his shot is palmed out of the corner by the keeper. And again, that's one of the ones on the night, which, you know, on a different occasion ends up in the net. We get a corner from that from which nothing uh, accrues on 18 minutes. There is a Tavernier free, uh, which is driven into the wall, uh, the Liverpool wall, and eventually wildly thrashed high and wide by uh, Kent. But I thought it was worthy of mention because at least it was a shot in anger on their part. On 26 minutes, Mo plays the ball into Darwin. His pullback is cleared. There's a corner. There's another corner. Uh, there's a chance from that corner, which is um, from Trent to Virgil, whose glancing header goes across the face of goal. Probably could have been converted. Um, and then on 33 minutes, where I'm going to draw a line with yourself here for this opening part, uh, there's a Henderson ball over the top into Darwin Nunes. His touch is good. His shot is well saved. And... I just had the feeling, Jim, at that stage that we definitely would score from open play. It's frustrating to think now in, 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 on reflection that we didn't. Um, but we should probably acknowledge that there were chances getting carved out, which were good freaking chances. And on other nights, um, maybe by people with differing levels of competence stroke confidence, would have been converted. So uh, that opening half hour up to 33 minutes with yourself, we'd have to say was Reds dominated and 1-0, I felt, was the least we deserved. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at that point, the stat came up on the TV. I think I've written it down, 33 minutes, that the possession then was 66 to us. And, yeah, that's it. You know, considering they're, running, they're, they're a goal down and they have been since whatever it was, seven minutes, why was that so much in our favour? And I think this is the other thing to take into account is that they were defending like mad. They were defending like they were winning one nil. They were, def- you know, they were time wasting um, when it went out for a throw into them. It was, it was quite bizarre to see. If you'd been watching it, I think there was actually a spell where the the time kept going off the screen on BT. So if you'd have sort of walked in, maybe when that had happened, you'd wonder if they were ahead because of the way they were playing. And it was, it was just bizarre. But we kept going. We kept plugging away, and you know. I'm not taking anything away from our clean sheet to say they did didn't do a lot of attacking, but they didn't. They didn't look confident to come past us. And um, I think what I, what I really enjoyed in that 33 minutes was the amount of times where, where we kept possession and the amount of times where we where we did win it back quickly. And you know that 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 possession wasn't just down to them not wanting to come out at us. That was a lot down to us really making sure we kept it. And the way Liverpool play is so important. You know, we've got to press, we've got to keep possession. We've got to do all of those, from our point of view, all of those basics right. And that's maybe what we've not been doing this season. And so, again, as as, we, as we've said already tonight, you know, taking into account the, the opposition and all the rest of it, it was just so promising. And it did feel like sooner or later one of these was going to go in because that goalkeeper couldn't 
keep pulling these saves. I couldn't keep being in the right position. And, you know, maybe we couldn't keep hitting it just a little bit too close to him. Sooner or later, one of them was going to go in. But, you know, even deflections went well for them. So it was one of those nights. And it felt like, you know, that that was my worry as, as we got to half time. I was thinking we do need another goal quite quickly. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. And at this point, definitely, definitely, definitely an improvement in my opinion. And... And you could see that in the confidence of the players. I think that early goal settled things a little bit, stopped it turning into a bit of a nightmare and, you know, just gave us control in another way as well, if if, if that makes sense. Dave, Luis Diaz has been described as a war machine by somebody recently. I love this phrase. I absolutely loved it. and I, I adopted it as my own since because that's how I think about this kid. He is one of those wiry, uh, relentless individuals that everybody wants in their team. And I've talked up as far as 33 minutes with Jim and sort of almost to emphasize the point that I made to you right at the start, let's go through what happens after that. Because on 34 minutes, the man himself, Diaz, cuts in from the left. He has an effort that's hit low and kind of tame. And it's saved. Uh, on 37 minutes, Lundstrom picks up a yellow card for a nasty tackle and shot. At. 38, Trent p- plays the ball into Mo. His pullback is blocked. Corner. Nothing comes from it. 40 minutes. Great ball by Mo into Darwin Nunes on the right. His uh, shot on the turn is saved quite well by McGregor. Another corner. 43 minutes, Diaz through ball to Darwin. He strikes it well, first time, but it's too central yet again. And it's saved yet again. And just before the half ends, some great play by Diaz and Jota, who pulls it back to Darwin and the ball just kind of bounces off him because he's not ready for any kind of shot. It's driven back at him by Jota. I suppose what I'm trying to say at this point is it, we possibly, I don't know, I, I'm not asking you to reassess your opinion at all. You, you absolutely stick by your guns if you, if you don't agree. But when you look at that and when you listen to that, does it change your take a little bit at all in terms of like, we really were carving out opportunities. They were good opportunities, Dave. And like I said earlier on in the show, on another night, they get converted. Um. The ingredients were there, but let me ask you this, Trev. What is your favorite home-cooked meal? <laughs> Where are you going with this, just, brother? Just answer the question, brother. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say you ah. like a nice. Let's just say you like a nice, a nice Irish stew, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's let's say let's say the missus makes a good Irish stew. Let's right. say you head into town with the missus on a on a Monday. You're off work. You head in. You get some nice round steak, you get some potatoes, some carrots, some peas, some parsnip, whatever, onions, whatever else you want to put it in. And you bring it home and you put it in the fridge and you head off to work on a Tuesday. And when you come home on a Tuesday, she's gotten everything ready. She's chopped the veg, everything's ready, but it hasn't been cooked. Are you congratulating her on a well-cooked meal or are you saying, where's my dinner? Because it's all well and good doing the prep, but if you don't if you don't turn the oven on, Trev, you go hungry, and we're going hungry with this team right now. We we yeah. did create opportunities. There's no doubt. I thought Diaz had had a really really impressive game. I think other than 
Allison, I think Diaz has been our best player this season. He's certainly been our best attacking player. Um, he he took the fight to Rangers as he takes the fight to basically every team that he plays. Darwin was a funny one because you know when you're coaching and you're doing a shooting drill and you with, with young kids. And at the start, you say to them, don't worry about scoring. Just focus on getting it on target. Just focus on getting the ball on target. Work that goalkeeper. And it almost seemed like Darwin was a little bit too focused on, let's just hit the target. In a couple of those, the, the, the left-footed shot that was very 100%. central. That's what I was saying earlier like- on. It was, it, it, was, it was by the numbers there. It was like, yeah. it was like a lad. Who who is neither um, sort of in the moment enough to just trust himself and do the thing that an informed striker does, or frantic enough to mm. do a kind of crazy thing. It was like he was sort of forcing himself yeah. to just make sure that fucking thing goes on target. Do you know what it reminded me of? And this is going to be a little reference to people who go back a couple of years, not many. But it reminded me of a Stuart Downing cross. Yeah. Like, a, a, a by the numbers, well, nobody can say I didn't put it into the right area cross, except yeah. it's bull, It's bullshit. And you except know there's it's nobody bullshit. in that area. You have there's crossed the ball there. into a penalty area when all your teammates are eight yards outside the penalty yeah. area, Stuart. Or, 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 or eight inches high. Like, it's yeah. no fuckers there. It's a silly thing to do. And what Darwin was doing was he was striking the ball straight down the middle. He was concentrating on technique. Like I said earlier on, getting his knee over the ball and technique and striking. Keep it nice and low. Put your foot through the ball. Which is a I shame love, for a striker, isn't it? Because you want him to act on instinct far more than that. So maybe, maybe it's a temporary thing. But I no. will say, well, it, I'd say, I'd say it'll be it'll be triggered by goal, Jim. It's as simple as that. Yeah, like, it, that's it. That's exactly it. Like we've seen Darwin in some of his earlier appearances be a little bit too hectic and a little bit too frantic and snatch at chances, and the ball will bounce off and his touch won't be there because. He's trying. He was trying too hard to make an impression. I thought tonight he went out there with very simplified instructions. Play your game. Run the channels. Make those runs in behind. When you get your opportunities, just get those shots on target. Get them on target. And once he gets into that type of mindset of getting the shots on target, then he can work it up to putting it in the corners and placement, different things like that. I think what we're doing with Darwin or what we're seeing with Darwin is Jurgen and the coaching staff almost breaking him down to rebuild him back into a better version. Because if you go back and look at early Lewandowski at Dortmund, Klopp did a very similar thing with him, where he took the skill set, he broke it down, and he rebuilt it back up into arguably the best striker in the world at one point, and and arguably still the best striker in the world if you see what he's doing this season with with Barca. So I I do think there's a method to this. I think there's a methodology to this with Darwin. I do think the four two three one suits him a lot better. And like I said earlier, I really think if there'd been a Carvalho in that number ten spot. I think we would have seen even more of Darwin. I think he would have had a little bit more to his game. But Trevor, mm-hmm. I do I need to know. Do, do you think that four two three one came about because of this mini crisis, I'll call it, that we've been in? 
Or do you think that's been the plan all along and maybe why we went for him? I think... I think 4-3-3 is still the plan because Sam Maguire's got a really interesting piece up on his Patreon. Um, and Sam doesn't pay me to plug these things, by the way. I know <laughs> I've plugged it a few times on different pods recently. But it's basically about when Linders went to NEC as manager a few years back, a few years back and failed, Sam went and took a look at some of the games that they played and how they played and the profiles of players that they used. And it was very, very interesting to see what Sam came back with. Like Arnaud Danjuma plays for Villarreal now, tall, powerful winger, good ball carrier, similar enough profile to Diaz, a six foot two inch center forward playing next to him, him playing a sort of narrow left side, the way Diaz has been, uh, a Darwin profile of number nine, the right winger playing with chalk on his boots, left-footed and cutting in, the right-sided midfielder having the freedom of the earth to go and pretend he's a second striker or whatever he wants to do, and a double pivot in midfield. And of course, what's really notable about it is that they conceded a lot of goals. They did rack up some heavy wins, but they conceded a lot of goals and it didn't work. And we have been twisting towards this for the last probably two years with little subtle changes to how we play and some of the additions we've made. And I think last season in particular, we saw that right-sided midfield position no longer be a, a midfield three position. When Naby played it, he played it as a 10 Harvey played it high and wide on the right and got close to Mo. Henderson played it a, a little bit all over the place. And Fabian Thiago or Fabian Naby, when he was in there, played as a two-man midfield. And it worked last season. And this season it's not working. And this season it's being exposed because teams have seen it. Teams are more used to it now. There's a lot more footage of us doing these things. And teams have been prepared for us. And they've noted where the, the space is. They've noted what the issues are. And the issue we've had in the 4-3-3 is that with that right-sided midfielder playing as part of a front four and Trent from right-back becoming the right-sided midfielder, there's no right-back. There isn't a right-back. Trent has been playing as a right-sided midfielder for nigh on a year now. Henderson has been playing or, or Ellie's been playing as part of a front four. And that's all well and good, but there's no right-back. And when Virgil is on and at his very best, he can play both centre-back positions by himself, which allows his partner to go and be the default right-back. And we saw Ibu play in that channel a lot. We saw Matip play in that channel a lot. And Virgil just patrolled the middle. But Virgil's not on it this season. And that means Matip can't have that freedom. And Ibu hasn't been fit to play. So... I, I think this was the plan, the 4-3-3 with Darwin, or that was the plan, 4-3-3 with Darwin. But I, I've said it for a couple of years now. I think the squad we have is largely more suited to 4-2-3-1 than 4-3-3. Because if you look at our three best midfielders, Fabinho, Thiago, and Naby, they're all better in a two. Diaz is much more a left winger than a left-sided forward. Darwin is better as a, a sole nine with players behind him and around him than he is as part of that, you know, interchanging three. Same thing with Jota. Elliot is more of a right winger in a 4-2-3-1 than he is a central midfielder 
or a right-sided forward. Carvalho is more of a left-winger or 10 than he is a left-sided forward in the three. All of those players are more suited to 4-2-3-1. The 4-3-3 only ever really suited two players more than any other shape, and that was Henderson and Milner, because they needed that security in midfield of a third person with them. It's only ever suited them more than another shape. But uh, who knows? I, I, I think, I think Klopp is going to have to make a big decision soon, because if we play Arsenal at the weekend and we're not bang on it, we are going to get embarrassed. And our following league game, if I'm not mistaken, is City. It is. And we, we will get embarrassed if we play anything like we have this season. Both That's 100% of those teams worry. But yeah. City will destroy us. Like, if you're going to leave that big open space down that side where they've got Bernardo Silva and Phil Foden in acres of space and Thor's son barreling his way into the middle of the box, we're going to get, we'll get destroyed. So, Tonight, I thought the biggest thing I took from tonight was how more, how much more disciplined I thought we were in terms of our shape and our positioning. Carragher did a bit of um, analysis on, on Monday Night Football about a moment in the Brighton game where our, our front two were Trent and Henderson. They were the two players up front Salah was right wing, Costas was left wing, but he'd just taken a throw in, which is why he was so high. And we had absolutely nobody other than Joel Matip in about a, a 40 yard square. And Brighton were just delighted to go running into that space. And it wasn't yeah. the only time it happened in that game. Nice of Jamie Carragher to catch up to the analytical insight of the Raw podcast for the last yes. two years. Exactly. But here's three. the thing. The one thing I want, <laughs> I, I have to have a go at Carragher. I like Carragher. I like Carragher. I, I, I think he's a good pundit. He's not, a, he's not as good as he thinks he is. He's not as good as people make him out to be, but he's a good pundit. But for the last probably 12 months, Gary Neville has taken it upon himself to be the right back whisperer. The, the fountain of all right-back knowledge, and has criticised Trent Alexander-Arnold endlessly for his defensive work. Endlessly. And Carragher has sat there and said not one fucking word in Trent's defence. Last season, Trent was excellent defensively. Excellent. And I know people will say, oh, but what about the goal in the Champions League final? That's one fucking goal from an entire season. Last season, Trent played with zero support in front of him and was outstanding. And if you go and again, back and, and, again, that, and again, Dave, and again, just listen to Raw Podcasts. Yeah. And you, you will hear again and again, and yourself, yourself, and Carl, Harry, Moe, all our usual pundits saying, but like, wonderful cover by Trent on excellent yeah. because he like is that, a good fucking game. defender this, this is it's a nonsense this argument about him not being it is a good nonsense, defender but is like that, a nonsense that specific game that champions league final he was up against vinicius jr arguably the best left winger in the world last season and bar that goal 
I challenge anybody to think of one moment that Vinicius had in that game. He didn't do a thing. Brent put him in his pocket. For 89 minutes and ni- and 59 seconds, he was in Trent's pocket. It's a microscope thing, though, isn't it? There's 90 minutes yeah. in the game, but, that, but you, you find two minutes where something didn't quite but, work And out. here's the thing, Jim. Yeah. A defender can play brilliantly for 89 and 59, and a goal goes in that people assume is their fault. But as pointed out by Guy, that goal is more Robbo's fault than Trent's fault. But a, a defender can be brilliant for the entire rest of the game, and one goal gets conceded, and all of a sudden, they're crap. A striker can be absolutely trash for 89 and 59, score a goal, and people think he's an 8 out of 10. It's a nonsense way that people... People need to start watching football without the goals, and you'll see the game. People are far too outcome-based. Yeah, you said this before. It's, really, it's a really, really good... It's. I think it's a wonderful show. You've said this a million times on... on yeah your daily red podcast um you watch the game without the goals and suddenly you're less emotionally fucked up and you get yeah. a more uh you get a clearer more rational view of what actually happened and, and that's and, the thing and like i see these ideas of these claims that like trent isn't as good defensively as kyle walker take away kyle walker's def- uh, kyle walker's pace He's a very mediocre defender and he gets beaten endlessly, but he can recover because he's got lightning quick pace. That's not a footballing attribute. That's a human attribute. That's a physical attribute that he was born with, that pace. Like, I see claims that Reese James is a better defender than Trent. Reese James gets hidden as a wingback and gets done regularly. Never a word is said, but Jim said this earlier about the crap that that gets said about Trent on social media. And it's the same with Virgil. Any perceived error by Virgil is immediately 100,000 likes. Uh, if Alisson makes a mistake, if Salah misses a chance, if there's a, a clip of Darwin that people can put out there that makes him look bad, like, for example, him in training for Uruguay, winning the ball back and just overhitting a cross. Oh, no, it was a shot. No, no, it was a fucking cross. But Liverpool bad does big numbers on social media. But you know Chelsea, what it is? It's, it's Liverpool, Liverpool bad, bad equals... They're not relevant. I think there's, there's too many people in football who talk about football who who think of defence as the safety. It's about safe safeness and safe football and not taking chances and, you know, hitting it into Rosehead if you're not sure about something and no ambition, no entertainment, to sucking the life out of football. I, I would much rather see Trent make a mistake every game in return for yeah. all the good things he does when he's trying to score goals because I am not a Roy Hodgson type of fan. You know, I I don't think you win things by drawing three games in a group nil-nil and hoping everyone else loses or something. You know, we I want us to win things. That's I want exactly us to win. It. And I want to enjoy watching us win things. And even if we don't win, I want to think, well, I, I can look back on that game and think about bits that I did enjoy. And... You only get that if you're adventurous, and and Trent's adventurous, Liverpool are adventurous, Klopp's adventurous, and a lot of these critics are not adventurous. And if you know, you might as well watch chess. Although even that's controversial. Just just while I'm on the topic, uh, Gary Neville and Rio Ferdinand. If by some mistake you ever stumble upon this podcast, you're two of the most overrated players in the history of the Premier League. Nemanja Matic and Patrice Evra carried you 
for years and Neville was carried before that by the likes of Yapstam and David Beckham standing in front of him and covering back so that he never had to do any real defending. Have you the ever guy heard Gary was ne- average have you, at best. Have you ever heard Gary Neville thank Rob Jones for his success? I don't think I have. That's the thing. If Rob Jones doesn't get a bad case of shin splints, Gary Neville has maybe three England caps. And if he thinks Alex he's Ferguson right. didn't try and replace him about six different times, uh, he's he's fooling himself. <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed the little uh, the little reference to how um, David Bex Beckham carried him as well because he did. Yeah, like Paul um, Schools put it out on his Instagram on. Sunday, as United were getting pumped by City, Paul Scholes put out a picture of Beckham and Giggs, and he said, whatever happened to wingers who track back to help their fullbacks? Because Beckham and Giggs were absolutely fantastic players, but fuck me, them two boys could work. And as great as Dennis Irwin was, he had Ryan Giggs doing a lot of heavy lifting in front of him, and Gary Neville owes basically his entire career to David Beckham. Because, you know, he offered so little going forward. But Beckham Beckham was Trent of the day, just playing in midfield. And Beckham got through a dog load of defensive work. And it helped that you had Roy Keane, arguably the best holding midfielder in the world at the time, covering across as well. And Yap Stam there to do whatever was left behind. It's a good reference because the shape of the crosses from Beckham and Trent are very similar if you care to go and have a look. Uh, and if you don't, uh, that's fine. But if you do, get on YouTube later on and look at the shape of the crosses. If we, if we, if we renamed our 4-3-3 or 3-5-2 by claiming one of the midfielders was actually a, a centre-back or something and, and Trent was a wing-back, I wonder if... You know, I mean, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to kind of squeeze that sort of description yeah, into a four-three-three. Would, would people TV be different. so asked? You know what I mean? It's oh, put the graphic uh, up on TV different. Claim, put it up that Fabinho's playing holding midfield, and uh, Matip is playing right back. Or playing Fabinho's playing centre back, Matip's right back, and it's Henderson, Trent, and Thiago in midfield, with T- Henderson as the attacking one and Thiago and Fa- and, and Trent as the two. Because that's basically how the shape goes at times, anyway. Yeah, is, not, yeah. People think it's like a game of table. Uh, what's it called? The the, the spinny football yeah. thing. The names. <laughs> Sabudio. Sabudio. Yeah, they're all yeah. they're all on straight lines. You know, they're not. They move around. They move back exactly. and forward. Yeah. Formations are only so people that watch it on TV. Casual fans can follow what's going on anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. Second half. Let's go <laughs> quickly. We seem to have forgot. Uh, there is. Is a good flowing move at the start of it, about 48 minutes, which ends with a Simicus corner. Cross, excuse me, which is blocked, which leads to a corner. Uh, on 50 minutes, there's a Mo pass to Darwin Nunes. He cuts in. He curled a shot just over the top corner. Uh, on 52, a great carry and dribble by Luis Diaz, who, again, like I say, war machine of a, of a lad. Uh, and... He is taken out by King. Uh, I think it's King on 52 minutes. And it's a penalty. And it's a clear penalty. And there's no, this is not one of these ones we need to discuss. It's just obvious. Did Turpin get it and nobody could argue? 52 minutes, Mo slots the penalty straight down the middle. Yeah. Um, And that's wonderful. What we're going to do, you and I, is we're going to take our way through the rest of this second half. Because... 
Luis Diaz and Golson clash, and it's a basically it ends up being like an elbow stroke forearm smash to Luis's head. He's okay. Mm-hmm. Golson's eventually okay. I looked at the replays and I, I didn't like the look of it. I'll be honest with you, and it no. didn't look as accidental to me as uh, the BT crew were claiming. Anyway, I'm going to let you come I, back. I'll just say quickly, yeah, I'll come back. Yeah, go on, go on, go No, no. No, I was just quickly going to say, I wrote down three words for that, I wrote, with question marks on, on, on two of them. Accidental, maybe. Curless, maybe. But dangerous, definitely. And I think whether it was accidental or curless, it was dangerous and it should have been penalised. Yeah. And, you know, it's as simple as that. It wasn't an accident. It was curless. You know, if... Um, accidents happen less if you take care of what you're doing and they and he didn't. I agree with you completely. And it's why I don't understand uh, the elevation that this lad has had to the top of the game, this particular Turpin lad um, to be a uh, Champions League final referee, to be refereeing game, games of this magnitude. I'm not 100% sure about this, well, I'll be honest. Um, Modal strike the... The, the penalty away and like I said then there's that Golson and and Diaz clash 59 minutes Jota has a bit of a fierce shot on the turn and I want to just a moment for for Diogo Jota here I, I feel like uh, we should just point out that like, it's not 100% his role at all uh, what he was asked to do and I thought he did a really good job of it I thought he was really direct he tried to run at people he tried to be a threat and I thought he carried that quite well but at this point the game starts to get busted because on 64 minutes they take on um, Sakala is it um, and Jack for Tillman and Davis. Um, there's some sloppy stuff by us there on that 66 minute mark. Um, and Dave mentioned it earlier on, Jim, where first Henderson has a really sort of sloppy pass out over the dead ball line, and then as a result of that throw in, what happens, Joel ends up with a bad ball out of defense, and Sakala drives at us and he pulls his shot. Coming in from the right-hand side, badly wide. Different play them, and we've conceded a goal. And this is the reality of it. And this is where I'm with you on this. Uh, it, that, that, that's a shocker. Lodge that one. 68 minutes, Diaz cuts in and shoots wide. 68 minutes as well, we bring on Bob and Fabinho for Hendo and Jota. There's a lovely ball into uh, Diaz on 72 by Trent. Um, they bring on uh, Cholak, is it, um, for Morelos, who had been um, struggling on his own up front. On 73 minutes, really, I love this moment from Thiago sliding in, our, our classiest player, sliding in, uh, and as a result, re- releasing uh, Mo Salah, who plays in Darwin, he pulls back to Diaz, but Diaz, I think, is offside. Uh, we bring on then, at that point, 79 minutes, Milner and Harvey Elliott for Darwin and Thiago. And we seem to change shape, or at least lose our shape. Uh, mm-hmm. Because on 80 minutes, they then bring on their next lot of Matando and Kamara. They bring them on for... 
Ryan Kitt and um, Ben Davies, uh, the two ex-Liverpool lads. And 83 minutes sees Joel heading powerfully just wide. But then things go fucking pear-shaped, Jim. Because in 84, Matondo drives at us. He shoots, Simicus clears it off the line. Right? Most games, that's a goal. And Simicus did really well. Then there's another chance from the corner. The ball breaks to Cholak. And Ali has to save point blank from him. And he is sort of, it's a half volley. Like it, the ball bounces in front of him and he's helping it towards the goal. He doesn't hit it with Venom. He directs it towards the goal. And Ali comes out and makes himself big and, and spreads himself and saves it. On, on 89 minutes, we do have a nice ball in by Mo Salah to Diaz and... Then we have that big uh, Jimbo Milner tackle in 90 minutes, which could have been anything if we're being perfectly honest. It was shapeless, I, I, I believe careless. I, I, I love Jimmy Milner because I don't know why. I honestly don't know why. I, I've never thought he was a great player. But I can't I just, believe I just, he's played 300 times for us. It's fucking mental, Jim. I cannot it's believe fu- that. I have to check it. It's fucking mental that that was a it. <laughs> 300th game. You know, Gary Neville said earlier on tonight, I played 400 times for Manchester United in the Premier League. And I went, fucking, okay, all right. Jesus, Gary Neville, 400. That seems low to what I would have expected or whatever. 300 Liverpool appearances this lad made. Yeah. And that's 90 minutes he throws in that whatever the fuck that was. Now, as it turns out, I'm glad that he did it right uh, in the borderline of right. We do have another chance for Mo on 90, and we do have then Joe Gomez coming off for Trent on 92, which is, uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity to salute yes. Trent and give him that opportunity. Right, so... What I'd like you to do is, if you could, I, I understand we've gone through a lot there, but we also haven't because the game was quite quiet for most of the second half. Talk to me about any of your takeaways from the bits I've mentioned there. And what I'll, I'll give you a heads up. We'll finish the show with yourself in a few minutes. And Dave, so you know, I'm going to go for your final thoughts to you after myself and Jim finish here. What is it that you'd like? away from the second half that sort of registered with you um i think i think just quickly on the penalty it was good to see mo just doing his, his little dancing run up and then just it's in the back of the net getting that ripple i always i still hate penalties it, until we score them it's always that worry because again the microscope if a player misses a pen you know especially in in this english nation that i sort of live in although i don't really like to admit it it's it's the end of the world penalties isn't it because england have always been so bad but yeah, I mean, I can remember seeing um, Sir Alex Ferguson to give him his, his English name, I think, is it? I don't know. I don't like calling him Sir. So Fergie was there, bacon face. And the Jota shot, I thought, was an excellent shot. It was another good save. And it's just, and that's what he is. He, 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 it was kind of as if he was in his rightful place then in, in front of goal, having the chance to turn and shoot and get it on target. And, you know... On another day, that would have gone in and it would have been, you know, maybe the start of a route then really the floodgates would have opened, but it didn't. And as you say, we kind of reacted to that with a little spell where we kind of just looked a little bit like, oh, job's done. You know, we don't need to play to the whistle and just gave him a little bit of a, a glimmer of hope. 
um you know and again we've got some good personnel that kind of do do get us out of those messes quite often but we we need to stop getting into the messes you know we 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 we're going to play teams who can mess things up for us all by themselves without us letting them you know giving them a free ride to that um i mean that that cost us save if you like was 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 immense um, and to be fair, if Trent had done that, we'd we'd be going all over the place about how good it was. So I think we need, you know, we need to big up on that. But what I remember, I wrote down sort of seventy-eight-ish minutes that I thought we'd been keeping possession really well and winning it back really well and just taking control of the game quite well. And you know, any after that little spell where we kind of maybe given them some chances, we'd kind of pulled our socks up again and really sort of looked at sort of closing this game out, keeping hold of the ball, keeping control, maybe get another if we can. And then the subs came on, and as you say, that just all went to pieces. And I mean, I did think that we'd see Rangers trying to pull something off in the last five or ten minutes, and I, I think and they did. But as Dave said at the at the top of the show, how much of that was down to seeing what we'd brought on and knowing there maybe was a chance. It just it just felt like the players had seen these players come on, seen Milner come on, and they thought, right, we're seeing the game out now. Just uh, you know, the job's done. We can just take our foot off the gas a bit. And it's just this dangerous. Thing that I've seen from Liverpool of late. I mean, is that is that why at the weekend a three two, what could have been a three two ended up a three three? Is you know are there other times in games when this is what we're doing? I just I don't know what that is, and I think coaching's got its limits on what you can do about that. It's 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 frustrating, you know, and there, there, there should be somebody telling them to just just keep on it, keep an eye on it, and it, it it's frustrating. The other the other thing I remember from that point as well was just towards the end when Ali McCoy said Alexander Trent, because if he got his, um, totally forgotten what his name was. So I think he's Alexander Trent. And yeah, it's that tackle from Milner. You're right. It's, it worked. It worked, didn't it? I think as we said, any other time, many other times it wouldn't, but it did. And I think what Klopp did at the end to bring Trent off like that. And I think the BT commentator, said that Klopp had been kind of gesturing to the cop at that point to, to you know, to put the hands together for him. And, and he got a, a standing ovation and he walked off to that, got his song sung. And, you know, maybe his season can really get started again now. I mean, it's it's weird to think how well he started the season if you think of the Charity Shield. And I'm thinking that, you know, that Charity Shield game is something that shows what we are capable of. We did so well that day. We played so well that day. It's so shocking to see what's happened since. But that that good team is still in there. That good squad is still in there. That belief is still in there somewhere. We've just got to get it out. And I think, you know, overall, for that bit of the game, we've got some things to learn from, some things to build on. We've got three points, a clean sheet, two goals, and, you know, our heads high again. And, you know, before I came on tonight, before the game kicked off tonight, I really didn't know which way it would go. My head said... You know we're gonna we're gonna smash it, but my heart said wait. You know the way the season's gone. So overall, I'm pleased with tonight, but it is, you know, it's not the be all and end all. We've got to build on it. Job's not done, and we need to stop thinking that the job's done because it never ever is in this game. Couldn't agree more, my friend. And we'll be back to you to finish it with final thoughts. And Dave, let's get yours now, man. I mean, there's a lot there from that second half because I understand I crammed that in there and didn't give you an opportunity to talk much about it. Maybe there's something you want to pick out of it or maybe you just want to take the overall bigger view because, um, you know, there's a lot to be said about um, 
the comparative strength of the opposition tonight and all the rest of it. And that's what you started off with. How are you feeling in terms of a wrap up here? And before you do finish entirely, do let folks know what's coming up from yourself for the week to come. Well, first of all, Trev, I have to call you out, I'm afraid. Oh, no. Uh, I understand that, you know, uh, having thrown your TV through your front window on Saturday and being unable to do Raw, you're probably a little bit rusty. But, I mean, we've just spent, I don't know, four weeks talking about this game, and you didn't mention the absolute highlight of the game, which occurred in the 31st minute on the edge of our penalty area as the ball was pinged into the feet of Alfredo Morelos who threw himself on the ground and invoked a Joel Matip tantrum. And once that <laughs> took place, I knew we were winning the game. I knew <laughs> at that moment that we could not lose. The magic was back. The big man was on form. And to his credit, I thought he had a very good game tonight after a very ropey he did. performance. He did, he did. Yeah, it was very ropey at the weekend, but I thought he was very, very good tonight. I thought Virgil looked more like himself. Uh, we've we've been we talked about Trent. Trent was tremendous. I thought Costas had a had a solid game. His final ball was a little bit hit and miss, but overall solid. Um, Thiago was good. The captain played well to his credit. Um, didn't understand why he seemed so annoyed that he was being taken off. He had clearly faded and was was struggling by the time he was taking off, and he looked fuming as he came off, shaking his head. Um, but you know. Better from him. Wouldn't be hard, but better from him, thankfully. Uh, like I said earlier, I thought thought the front four all played well. I, I would have just liked that bit more creativity. I, I thought the shape made more sense and we had more control when Fab and Bobby came on and it all just looked like it was linking together very well. Uh, obviously, it, can, it, I throw, can, can I throw one in here for you? Would you have, because it was, it was just something that bugged me, would you have left uh, Darwin on the pitch? Yes. Were you the, the bespectacled, be bearded uh, German? Yes. Would you have left him on the field? Because here's where I was with it. I was thinking at some point, uh, Luis Diaz is going to try a shot from the right, or Mo is going to try a shot from the left, and it'll hit off Darwin's left buttock and go in. And it's his goal. Yeah, and he'll claim the shit out of it. Oh, he's and taking then, off the shirt, and, and, he, and he's getting up on the hoarding. Behind oh, the yes, he and, is, and waving so, so, the shirt around his head. So, so the ice shot of- Ian Rush broke his doubt like that. He he broke a, a drought by scoring with his ass once, but I don't. He think absolutely he, uh, did. Celebrated it like that. <laughs> he absolutely fixed, did. Fixed yeah. the mustache and moved on. I would have left him on, but so, I so, do think he looked. I do think for about three or four minutes before he came on or came off, I do think he was starting to look a little bit tired. I think he he covered a lot of ground tonight and he made a lot of runs into the channels, a lot of runs in behind. And I do think he was starting to look a little bit laboured. So I also, could apart from once, he didn't bite tonight. Apart from yeah. once, he, you know, he was, he's, he's, um, Look, that liked, side was gone. I liked what he did when he blocked that free kick from being taken. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it slowed them down because we, we were trying to get back and it, it would have been a transition attack against us, which is what we struggled with. So... I like that. I'm glad he didn't get booked, and I like that he shook the referee's hand and kind of made a made an effort to you know bond with the referee early and get him get him on side. Oh, it was, um, Mil- it was Milner tastic from him. Milner tastic. Oh, now Mil- Milner would have just sort of gone over and said, "Look, you know, I'm, I'm 
37 soon. Like, I mean, yeah, hey, it's you know, it's me, it's Jim. You can't really expect me to make those tackles <laughs> now. Like, I'll get there, but the, the the man will still be there. The ball might be gone, but at least I got the man. You've got to give me some partial credit for it. Um, didn't like the switch back to 4 3 3. That's that's the one thing I didn't like. I think that was it the was one shit. mistake. Yeah, uh, Harfi Elliott, God love the lad. He is fucking hopeless defensively. Absolutely hopeless. The one mistake Joel made was Rabbi Matondo beat him too easily uh, for that chance when he cut in. And Ali made a great save, and then obviously Costas clears it away uh, because Fashion was coming in to tap in at the back post. And then Fashion. Ali made, an- made another brilliant save from the striker. Um, minutes or seconds after that from the set piece. So that was a little bit ropey. But all in all, look, like I said at the start, we won the game. That's the only thing that matters. Now we go to Ibrox next week, win that game, and then you only need a point. You only need a point from Napoli at home and Ajax away. One point and you're through. So we'll be in great shape if we can go there and win. And uh, all, all things considered, that's that's all we can really ask for. Like Saturday, uh, the weekend's coming, it's gonna be it's gonna be much tougher. That's a much tougher team. Um, and we, we do have to like you know temper some positives from tonight, just based on who we played and the level that they're at. But it was it was a big step forward to see Jurgen go four two three one. It was promising to see us keep a clean sheet. And in that four-two-three-one, we never looked like conceding. That was the big thing for me. We never looked like like conceding until we switched the shape. And I hope Jurgen sees that and realizes that maybe four-two-three-one might just be the way to go for a little while. Even if he wants to go back to four-three-three later, go four-two-three-one just for a little while and see how how it plays out. Um, as for me, two-footed every day, daily red every day. There will be a scouted for Arsenal. And I'm hoping I can drag Tandon onto a, an old school at some point in the coming weeks, because uh, it's been a while since since I spoke with him. And that's about it. Just remember that Rangers are a small little club that was only founded ten years ago. They've only ever won one league title, and that they don't know what their national anthem is. <laughs> now put your sashes on and wave your little flags. I was coming. It was always coming, folks. You knew that. Uh, and by the way, don't 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 sleep on the podcast that Young Hendrick does every single freaking day. This is not an easy thing, uh, and it deserves to be said. Not enough people are saying this. It deserves to be said. This is not an easy thing. That lad goes on and he basically chats to you, but he's talking to himself for the duration of that show. It's not easy and it is a skill and a half and it's entertaining and it's engaging and it's informative and you should be listening to it. So go and do that on a daily basis. Jim, let me finish with yourself because, you know, we're here at the end of another Reds win. <laughs> I said, as if this has been the trend. It hasn't. Uh, but we're back to which we're far- because that is the overall trend of the Klopp era. And I've got a simple question to tee up for you before you give your summary thoughts. 
uh, and I do want you to do that and I want you to uh, plug anything that you've got coming up as well. But just to, to frame it, I mean, do, do you feel that that this is not like a false stone? Do you feel that this is actually something that's leading into Arsenal? Because you could hear the caution in Dave there. Do you feel that this is something that leading into the Arsenal game could be actually, you know, it's a, it's a clean sheet that's psychologically going to work for the guys, uh, for, for the likes of Virgil, for the likes of... of of uh, of uh, of Joel and Ali, that's a big deal, right? It's equal, regardless of who it's against or how it's achieved. The fact that it's a Champions League closeout that's got to help. The fact that we've got a couple of goals, the fact that it's a way always scored, the fact that you know the, the all of these little incremental things. Do you? feel that might be enough to get us out of this rut which is undoubtedly what we've been in Jim. I do, I, I really do, I think we, we've um, how can I put it, as I was saying just before, the job's not done, we've got to keep going, going back to the days of Ronnie Moran, you'd have your medals thrown at you and you'd be reminded that that was last season now there's another season and the same mentality would have been thrown at you every game you know, you'd won a game, well great lads now you've got another one to get ready for um, half time, you're winning in a game well, all well and good but you've got another 45 to go and it's just reminding us I think of that and it feels like today was a bit of a sort of back to basics in a way was you know, let's let's not be trying just that little bit too hard because sometimes maybe that is what we do we try too hard and then it goes wrong, I don't know, but it, it, it's it's a case of sort of psychology is such a big thing, and especially as we've said about microscopes and all the rest of it, you've got to you've got to put the brakes on the things going wrong, and we've done that tonight. I feel we've put the brakes on the things going wrong because, apart from a couple of scares, we we did well, and we know what the opposition was, and in a lot of ways, maybe it's come at a good time that we've played them, because look where we are in the Champions League. A few weeks ago, after the Napoli game, we thought that was that was the end of our Champions League, and everything was going to pot. It's been a strange stop-start sort of a season. It's going to carry on stop-starting. Then I think once this stupid World Cup's out of the way, we can get back to proper football and and, and start concentrating. But between now and then, we need to put start putting some wins together. I, I even when we've been at our best the last few years, we played our best against the big teams. So I'm I'm sort of hoping that happens again in the next two league games that we we just find that extra level we get from somewhere and we just we just somehow do it we just show ourselves at our best because if we do that we're a match for either of those teams and you know on our day we can beat either of those teams and should be able to beat either of those teams so you know it's not a case of counting chickens yet we've got so much to do so much work still to do we've got to keep going but there's so much to learn from tonight I do feel like. Fingers crossed this could be a turning point. It's also my first Raw of the season for various reasons, Queen's dying and things. So it's maybe, you know, 100% for me on Raw this season. So I'm quite happy with my record. And I think the lads will be too. <laughs> um, but no, I think, good. We've got, to, we've got to build on it. We've got to enjoy these things. It's a little step and there's lots more steps to take. But I feel like at least we're now, we're pointing in the right direction. And um, here's, here's to many more nights like tonight. As far as I'm concerned, just hoping to do another. There is a Scouser Tommy's out now where Jay and I discussed that look forward to this game. So have a listen to that because a lot of the stuff we talk about isn't always necessarily about recent games or upcoming games. It's just about general life in Liverpool as a Liverpool fan. 
which, you know, it's a little bit different to what it's like in the rest of the country and the rest of the world, maybe, because you don't always have blue noses right in your face all the time. So have a listen to that. And we will have another one out this week. We're planning to record that this week. So hopefully get that out before the weekend. And But don't just listen to me. Listen to all the other good stuff on here. You know, if this is new to you as a listener, then look, it, it's it's wonderful to have uh, voices like Jim's contributing to the channel. And that show that he does with Jay is just tremendous because it does give a local flavor. It does give a feeling, I think, to people who are maybe trying to connect to the club side of what it is to be uh, someone who belongs to the city and feels of that city uh, and that is a tremendous thing and and, and and hugely important in terms of, of identifying with the whole club as a fan so as I said about Dave if you're not listening to Jim stuff what yet yeah, have a word with yourself I have been Trev Downey that was Jim Boardman and you heard Dave Hendrick Guy Drinkle produced God bless helped us all the way we had our live listeners and contributors on discord thank you to them and we will be back with you at the weekend for our good luck we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.